The prime minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905 was a guy by the name of Abraham Kuyper. He was also quite a theologian, and he once said this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. He's talking here about the lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ is Lord of all. And part of the sanctification process, a large part of the sanctification process, is learning to submit more and more territory of our lives to Christ. See, the lordship of Jesus Christ has implications for every part of our life. Jesus has a will for the way I treat my body. He has a will for the way I relate to my wife and my children. He has a will for the way I work. He has a will for the way I spend my money. He has a will for my leisure time. Uh, Christ the Lord has a will for every aspect of our life. And so a fundamental part of learning to be a Christian is, is wrestling with the implications of the lordship of Jesus Christ in the practical aspects of our life. And then once we see what Jesus, the Lord, wants, then there's that additional work of learning to do it, learning to obey. But the good news is the more that we surrender our lives to Jesus, the more we walk in freedom. The older I get, the more I am absolutely convinced that the path to abundance is less Mike and more God. And the more that I surrender control of my life, the greater freedom I experience. And it's a wonderful freedom without any uh, regret at all. And so um, this series is called Gospel in Life, and we're asking the question, how does the gospel change different aspects of our life and we're uh, the subtitles the gospel changes everything it does when you become a christian and you're invaded by the love of god in jesus christ it changes your whole life so we've been looking at different aspects by the way if you've missed any of the uh, sermons you can catch up online clearwater.church today we are looking at work the christian and her work the christian and his work how does the Lordship of Jesus Christ change the way we do our work? What we're going to see is actually there are pretty significant implications. Now, it is easy to get into an inappropriate relationship with work. In fact, if you're not intentional about it, I think you'll just default into one of these inappropriate relationships with work. Uh, number one, you might say, it's all about the paycheck, and it's only about the paycheck. I work so that I can have some money to live, and that's it. That's the extent of my vision for my work. And if that's your understanding of work, if that's your goal, then sometimes winning at work becomes do the least amount possible for my employer and get the most amount from my employer. But that's not appropriate as a Christian. Because God says that our work actually matters. It matters to him. Because work is the primary way we go about bettering the world. And, and that's God's work. And so he doesn't, uh, he wants us to have uh, a vision for work that's more, goes beyond the paycheck. And he wants us to understand its significance and do it wholeheartedly as unto him. Um, another inappropriate relationship to work is where you are 
looking to your work to give you your significance in life. And so sometimes we say, hey, uh, my paycheck de uh, determines my worth. And if I've got a big paycheck, then I'm a big person. And if I have a small paycheck, I'm a small person. And if I'm getting applauded at work and I'm succeeding, well, then I'm a productive, important, significant person. And yes, we're to be making a contribution, and that is, that is significant, but that's not where we get our significance. As Christians, our significance comes from the fact that God loves us. We are united by faith with Jesus Christ. We are eternal. And, and that's, where, that's what gives us our significance, is God's value of us. Another inappropriate relationship with work is to, to look to your work for your security, right? Uh, if I'm a good worker, I'll always have a job. A job means I have money, and money is what makes me secure. It keeps me from poverty. It protects me from hunger. It makes sure I can buy good health care. Now, God does provide for us through work, but it is, it's not the work that takes care of us. It's God who takes care of us. And Jesus warns us, hey, if you start thinking that it's money that is your security, you will begin to serve money. No, you must, as a Christian, our security must come in the, from our trust in the promises of God. He promises to take care of us. He will take care of us. And uh, work just might be one of the tools through which he does that. Uh, here's another one. Another one is to say, hey, uh, my goal is to work the fewest years possible. I'm willing to kill myself for a few years and get to retirement because it's when I get to retirement that I'm really going to live. Right? So work the least amount possible so I can play, you know, for the most amount possible. Uh, but that's inappropriate because actually um, God designed us to work. And now it's okay to say, I can't wait to retire so that I can better the world in a different way. Fine. But so often we want to get to retirement so that we can just serve ourselves and let other people benefit our world. But you need, God wants his people to have a vision, a, a lifetime vision of work. I'm going to be working until I die because work is fundamentally about bettering my world, and God's called me to do that without end. Certainly with a proper rhythm we'll talk about, but it's not like, you know, you get to retirement and now you don't have to better your world anymore. Now, all that to say, it's easy to fall into an inappropriate relationship with work. And so we need to be thinking uh, Christianly about our work, biblically about it, and, um, and it makes a significant difference. And I want to talk about three implications of the Lordship of Jesus Christ on our work. Number one, the fact that Jesus is Lord dignifies our work. It dignifies it. Uh, work is not a necessary evil. It's not a curse. You don't want to look at your work and say, I wish, you know, we'd be better off not working, but we have to work. And uh, so, because I have to, but man, as soon as I, as I can get out of this, I'm going to get out of it. No, actually, the Bible says that work predates sin. 
before sin entered the world, God had given Adam and Eve jobs to do. Look at this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Adam and Eve have just been created, and God says this. And the important thing to understand is this is before sin has entered the world. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That predates the fall. We call this the creation mandate. It's the first command that God gave people, and it applies to all people, not just Adam and Eve, to all humans. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, again, prior to sin entering the world, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So part of, part of God's vision for every person's life is that they're involved in uh, bettering their world. The subdue the earth. What is subduing the earth? Subduing the earth is harnessing its potential to promote human flourishing. In fact, the definition of work that I am working with today, haha, pun intended, is work is rearranging raw material to promote human flourishing. That's what it means to subdue the earth. Uh, God created this beautiful earth, and he says to Adam and Eve, now go unpack it and figure out how to harness the raw material, rearrange it to promote human flourishing. And at the very beginning, they had to learn how to cultivate fields, and they had to learn how to turn trees into lumber. And But look what has happened over the th thousands of years. We can now harness the power of wind. And we, we have built machines, and we extract oil out of the ground and turn it into gasoline to get us from here to there. And we can fly, and we can talk to people on the other side of the world with cell phones. And why didn't, you know, why didn't God just create a world with all of that already designed? Well, because he created us in his image, and he's creative, and he knew that that would be uh, fun for us, and it would put his his cre uh, creation on display but so what is work work is uh, harness you know rearranging the raw material of the natural world uh, to promote human flourishing think about what you do what you do betters the world if you cut hair you're rearranging raw material so that people look better they feel better about themselves, they get a date, they get married, they have children. If you're a barber, you're populating the world, you're directly in line with the creation mandate, right? Uh, if you're a plumber, you are rearranging raw material uh, and to promote him. We need that raw material to go out of our houses and down into the sewers so we can have cities, right? Uh, if you're a mechanic, and, and you are rearranging a broken engine, and now it's working so that people can drive around. And Look, whatever you are doing, uh, you know, there are a few industries that are, you know, unfortunately, people will pay for things that aren't good for them. But so there are some things that are not bettering the world. And so, you know, I don't think a Christian should be uh, running a cannabis shop or prostituting himself or creating horror flicks, right? There are things that we shouldn't do. But for the most part, what we are doing is bettering the world. And as a result, it's fulfilling 
God's purpose. It's going about his business. God cares about the world and about people and about the world being a better place. Uh, you clean up your house. You make a painting. You're rearranging paints into a, into a beautiful picture. It hangs on the wall and pro- pro- provides happiness for people. I mean, everything we do, all of our work is bettering the world. And that matters to God. It's significant. And if it's significant to God, it is significant. It has dignity. It has value. It has worth. Flipping hamburgers. Hey, you're still, you're providing fast food for people. They're bettering your world. Everything we do. You know, you clean, if you clean buildings, you are making the, the building a better place for people to come and, and work and go to school. I love this quote. Dorothy Sawyer's says, all good work well done is Christian work. Now, too often, we have um, created this in a, uh, unhealthy dichotomy between secular work and sacred work. Sacred work is you know, gospel proclamation, church work. You got to, and so we, and we say, you know, Sunday school teachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists, right, church secretaries, uh, Sundays, they're, they're doing sacred work. And then, you know, everything else is secular work. And th- th- that's okay, except here's the subtext. The subtext is what God cares about is sacred work. And secular work, it's irrelevant to God. Yeah, he understands that you have to do it to, you know, to provide for your family, but it doesn't have any significance, eternal significance. It's not important to God. Uh, only the sacred work. That's false. That is false. Yes, God is uh, very interested in the gospel going out and the church, um, the church being built. He's also interested in good sewage system, systems and trains that come on time, right? And there being enough food in the world to feed people and people being able to communicate to their loved ones. He cares about that stuff. So all work, anytime you're involved in bettering your world, you are doing God's work. You're doing Christian work. It matters to him. Yes, Christians do. I think all Christians need to be also involved in gospel proclamation, but, you know, not exclusively. And, and the secular work that we're doing does, in fact, matter to God. In fact, we're going to see here that when you... Uh, you do secular work uh, for the purpose of pleasing the Lord and, and, and he actually notices and rewards you. It gets eternal rewards, just like gospel proclamation does. So what is it that, do you adequately value what you do? Do you see its, its dignity and significance in the eyes of the Lord? So Christ's lordship uh, dignifies our work. Secondly, Christ's lordship motivates our work. I love the fact that God has built into his creation this positive feedback cycle. You find a way to better your world and you go do it. And guess what? People pay you for it. And then your needs are taken care of so you can continue bettering the world. You know, virtually, you find a way to better the world, and it will end up supporting you. 
That's just the way God has designed the world. It's, a, it's brilliant. I love how he's done that. Uh, the Bible talks about this, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. Proverbs 13, 4. Whoever the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So certainly one of the reasons we work is so that we uh, can survive. New Testament says if you're not willing to work, then you don't eat. In other words, the church shouldn't feel a responsibility to take care of lazy people. Uh, the church has a benevolence fund uh, and ministry, but that's for people who are genuinely in need, not people who could meet their own needs if they weren't slothful. Okay? Um, so one of the reasons we work, one of our motivations is so that we are provided for, sure, but it's not the primary motivation for work. The Christian's primary motivation for working is so that we don't squander the life that God has given us. Right? We recognize that God has entrusted us with breath and energy and time, uh, and not so that we can go serve ourselves, but so that we can contribute to uh, a better world. Okay? Now, it, he has absolutely built a rhythm of work and rest. In fact, the Bible is very clear. It's a six to one ratio. Work six days, rest a day. God modeled it. He commanded it. Uh, but so, so there, there is this, this uh, proper work ratio, uh, work and rest ratio. But uh, as a Christian, we have to be asking the question, Lord, am I, am I contributing enough? Am I, uh, or am I squandering the, what you have given me? Now, when I go before the Lord and I say, Lord, here's my life, examine me, and would you reveal um, where there are weaknesses, where there's sin, where there are adjustments that... Amen. And then I'm quiet and I listen. So often, so often, this is where the Lord zooms in. And he says, and I, and I feel in my spirit, I start to wrestle with, are you watching too much Netflix at night? At night? Are you spending too much time reading your sci-fi mind candy novels, right? Am I squandering some of this, especially my evenings? I tend to tell myself, hey, I've, I've been working all day. I was up before everybody else. That means I can relax before everybody else. There's probably some truth to that, but I think I squander too much. And we all have to wrestle. I don't know what that is for you, but, you know, maybe it's video games, right? And, uh, yes, a proper, you know, you rest, relaxation, the Lord's built it in. Um, but I think, there's, I think there are a lot of us who are squandering too much uh, of our lives. So I could do the dishes. I could vacuum. I could go mow the lawn. I could organize the garage, and that would be bettering the world, Right? It's not just the nine to five stuff. It's I God has given me the ability to go better my world and I need to be doing I need to be doing it enough. And that's just between between God and me. The other so so one of the mistakes um, when you when you realize 
Ooh, no, I got ahead of myself. Colossians, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Um, this is one of the, uh, this, is, this is our key text for today, so we're going to sit on this a little bit. Here's the background. The background is uh, Paul is writing to some Christians who find themselves slaves, probably not like American slavery, but closer to slavery than to the, uh, than to the employer-employee relationship. It is the Greek word doulos, which is the Greek word for slave. Uh, in my version, it's translated as bondservant. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Uh, so Paul is writing to Christians who find themselves in a position of being slaves. And if, as you can imagine... It, they would be struggling with finding significance in their work. I mean, my work, all it does is just enrich my, you know, slave owner. All my, my work is propping up an unjust economic system. So why, why would my work have any, you know, significance? And why would I want to do it, you know, uh, with any kind of energy? You would think I want to do the least possible. And then listen to what Paul says. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. In other words, don't just do enough to keep, you know, your master off your back. Don't do just enough to get by, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You know, the, 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 the task that your slave owner is giving you, do it with all your might. Do it to the best of your ability. What? Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Paul saying, yes, you have an earthly master. And that earthly master is telling you what to do. But guess what? Because you're a Christian and Jesus is Lord of your work, you're really serving Jesus. He's your real boss. And so here's the question. Uh, what paycheck are we working for? Are we working for the paycheck that NSTAR gives us? Or are we working for the pay star that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to give us? See, even the work done by slaves is important to the Lord. And when you do it heartily as to the Lord, he sees it and he will repay it. So it's Christian work and it's significant. And if you're a Christian, your real boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're working for the ASD. Uh, you're working for uh, circle plumbing and heating. You're working for the government, but... It's really Jesus you're working for. And if it's Jesus you're working for, well, you don't want to be lazy, right? You, you don't want to say, I'm going to do the least amount of possible for my employer. Uh, and, and so the other thing is you'd, you also don't want to be um, overworking. For some of us, it's laziness is the problem. And for others, it's, it's overworking. And I'll tell you this, if you're overworking, it's not because you're getting your direction from Jesus. Jesus will never say, I need you to be out of balance. I used to tell this to Sabrina all the time. I'd say, hon, 
God does not need to build his church on the back of our unhealth. He doesn't need us to be, God does not ask us to be so busy that we can't exercise and spend time together and eat healthy and, and have a decent night's sleep. If that's what we're doing, it's not, we're not getting our marching orders from Jesus Christ, right? There's something else going on. It's, it's our need to perform. It's our fear. It's we're trying to find significance by the church's growth. Or we're, we, we're like, oh, my goodness, we got to work really hard because the church has to grow enough so that I can have a salary. And there are lots of inappropriate reasons to be uh, overworking. But it's not because Jesus is telling you to do that. Jesus wants us to work. But he also wants us to take a day off each week so that we have time for our families, time for our church, time for our friends. Right? So if Jesus is really your boss, you're not going to be lazy, and you're also not going to be so uh, overworking such that you're neglecting significant other relationships in your life. So Christ's lordship dignifies our work. It gives us the proper motivation for our work. And finally, it guides our work. In other words, the fact that Jesus is lord in our lives and, lord, and, and he's our boss tells us how we can work. It guides how we go about our work. Uh, you are serving the Lord Christ, verse 24. Well, if Jesus is your boss, do you think he's going to say, hey, I want you to, to go about your um, carpet install business. Uh, I, want you to, I, wa I want you to go uh, drive its sales by lying and cheating and not, you know, not fulfilling your service promises. No way. <laughs> Jesus is going to say, you go about bettering the world ethically, according to my law of love. You don't cut corners. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You do, you do it excellence, and you back up your work, and you do what you say you're going to do, and you trust me to take care of you. Right? If Jesus is your boss, is he going to say, hey, I want you to go start a pot shop in Anchorage so you can make a whole bunch of cheap money? I want you to go prostitute yourself. I want you to go uh, create a horror flick. And, you know, no, he's not going to be uh, telling you to get involved in, in uh, uh, unhealthy endeavors, right? He's going to say, go find something that truly betters the world and go about it ethically, and finally, go about it with excellence. You know, uh, uh, with sincerity of heart, verse 22, work heartily as for the Lord. In other words, do your very best. That's what excellence mean. Excellent means. Excellence means do your very best. doesn't mean you're going to be the best. There's almost always somebody out there better. But that doesn't matter. What matters is you're, you're serving the Lord and you're doing it to your best best of your ability. He sees that and it pleases him and he will reward you. So four questions to ask ourselves uh, about our approach to our work. Number one, do I properly value my work do I see its dignity in the eyes of the Lord? 
can I draw a line between what I'm doing and how it's bettering the world? And then take satisfaction in that. It might not be the thing that you want to really want to be doing. Uh, and I think, you know, think about throughout history. Uh, you know, throughout history, a lot of people haven't had much freedom to choose what they're going to do, right? Your dad was a silversmith, you're a silversmith, <laughs> right? Throughout history. And, but whatever task the Lord gave you, you did it. You were, born, you were a slave, you did it as unto the Lord. In America, we, a lot of us have a lot of freedom to choose how, what kind of work we're going to do. And I think, that's, I think it's appropriate to um, adjust and work toward finding something that both is uh, ben benefiting the world and brings you a lot of joy and provides for your needs. Feel free to maneuver, <laughs> you know. I think that's fine. And, and pray about it and ask the Lord to direct you and, and put you into a sweet spot. But whatever you've got, whatever he has given you to do today, you do it. Even if it's not the thing you really want to do, you do it to the best of your ability because you're working to the Lord and he's the one who will repay you. Secondly, are you working for the right paycheck? Am I working for the right, am I really working for the Lord or am I viewing all of this just in terms of my earthly master? Because your earthly master might let you down and irritate you and <laughs> you might not feel like you want to do a good job for them. Remember, you're really working for the Lord. He's the one that sees and will repay. Third question, how's my work rest balance? Am I uh, bordering on laziness? Am I dabbling in, in workaholism? What's, what's going on there? And what changes do I need to make? And then final question is, am I working in industries and in ways that Jesus approves? Do I need to uh, change the way I do my business so that I'm fulfilling the law of love? Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you have a will for every part of my life. Lord, thank you for this time to together think uh, a little more deeply and biblically about your will for our work life. God, help us to find a way to better the world that brings, um, that really benefits other people, Lord, and fits our gifting and passions and just to help us to find that sweet spot. Lord, we commit to finding our security in you and trusting you, Lord, and, uh, and to working as to the Lord and not unto men. We want to bring this area of our life more into conformity with your will, believing that in that is abundance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.